Welcome to Listen In. My name is Stephanie Gates, and I want to invite you to listen in on conversations I have with my friends as we discuss engaging college students with the gospel. Jay, thank you again for sitting down with me and just giving up your time. Uh, before we jump into our conversation, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Jay Leibold. Uh, I was a student at UNT years ago, um, really g- came to faith at the end of high school uh, for the first time. Born again, my life was transformed. I had All of a sudden, I saw God for the first time, unlike I'd ever seen Him before. The gospel meant something different. Uh, for whatever reason, whether the Spirit moving, whether that's it, I all of a sudden had eyes to see. Uh, my life was totally transformed. And so I came to UNT and looking for real Christian community. God led me to the BSM, just happened to walk by the building, walked in the door, uh, and was stuck, was hooked. So I was a student at UNT for four years, served as a leader the whole time, uh, then came on staff, worked here for two years, went overseas for two years with my wife. Uh, who I met at the BSM as well as a student, uh, and then now I'm back, and I've been here at the BSM part-time this school year. Yeah, we're, we're very thankful to have you back, uh, just for your investment in students, and, and there seems to be a disconnect yeah. between the gospel knowledge and gospel implication in their lives. Yeah. And so when you said, hey, I think we should talk about this, I thought that's a great idea. So thank you for bringing the idea. And uh, I look forward to people getting to hear the conversation as we kind of unpack what it is that we've learned and what we we think about this continual uh, trend that we see every semester as we meet new students. You've had a lot of experience with college students. Mm-hmm. And so have you seen that this no zeal for the Lord being a pretty continual issue, um, mm-hmm. specifically maybe with students who've grown up saying they're Christian, uh, have a lot of experience in the church. Is that something that you've observed? Yeah, yeah. And I, and the reason, yeah, I brought it up because I just, all of a sudden, you know, all these years of all these conversations with all these students, <laughs> and even when I was in Kenya meeting with students from a very Christian culture who all, you know, were saved when they passed their Christian religious education class in high school. That's a thing in Kenya. Uh, I, I just began to really think about why is it I have so many conversations with students and it's like they claim to be Christ followers, they claim to be born again, but they actually don't care about following Christ. And then, like you said, yeah, you meet those those students who come to faith in college or maybe at the right at the very end of high school and they truly come to faith and are saved. And it's like a massive transformation. It's like a 180. Uh, and so I just, I see it a lot especially with students, you know, at the BSM that wander in, they come here their freshman year, straight from their youth ministry, their youth minister tells them to come to the BSM, they walk in the door, they start uh, Bible studies, they start being discipled here, and they're like, oh yeah, I don't really care about reading my, my reading my Bible, or I don't really care about going to church, or I don't really care about doing these things. And then you begin to ask, well, why not? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't really... I don't really see the importance of it. Um, and so that's really where it came down to. I was just having a conversation with a student last week, and I was, I was getting kind of frustrated. And I began to think about it, and I was, he just doesn't care. He doesn't see this as important. I think this is a, a continual problem that we see. Mm-hmm. 
And as you and I were talking earlier, we were trying to figure out why. What's going on? Why is it that this student who uh, meets Jesus now, all of a sudden, not only is there this drastic recognition of how the gospel impacts their life, but there is an urgency for everyone in their life to get to hear. They have just such an appreciation for the grace of the gospel. And then we look at students who've grown up with it where it's become uh, normal. To them, it's like, well, this is just what I do. And I think we kind of live in three extremes. We live in the the student who was raised maybe in church that comes in as just saying, this is just who I am culturally. Mm-hmm. Then we have the student who doesn't know Jesus and not actively engaged in a relationship, maybe has no experience in church. And then we have the student that's really interested and then becomes a Christian. Mm-hmm. And there's different moderation uh, of all of those things. Yeah. Um, and so you and I were kind of talking about what is it specifically about s- some of these students who have grown up in church that when they get here, there is no zeal for the Lord. What is it? And one of the things that I want us to talk about yeah. is, could it be that we, when we talk about discipleship or spiritual development, we focus so much on a program or a curriculum, uh, maybe a formula or even a structure rather than actual transformation? And so what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it has to do with, we, we talk a lot about what does it look like to really disciple, right? We've talked about that. And um, in churches where you have a lot of structure and curriculum, I really do feel like it's, it's like they know all the information. Like this student can quote me, where does it talk about prayer? This student has actually never prayed. Yeah. Has never been shown how to pray. As silly as that may sound, have they heard prayers? Totally. Right? They've heard lots of prayers in their life, but they've actually maybe never been encouraged to pray or walked alongside in prayer. You could apply that to reading their Bible. They've gone to every church camp. They've heard the Bible preached, hopefully at a good church, healthy church. Maybe they've actually never sat down and read the Bible with someone. Because we can go all sorts of lessons of like, we're going to walk through the book of Mark, you know, this year at a, a youth group on, on, sorry, not youth group, student group. Maybe, I don't know if it's called youth group anymore. <laughs> uh, but on a Wednesday night, and we're going to tell all of the stories, but maybe what they really need is to actually sit down and walk through the Bible with someone. So I think that's the, that's the it's not that structure or those curriculums are necessarily bad. It's just that's really replaced discipleship, yeah. I think, in a lot of ways. I think you're right. We see there's a difference between formal and informal discipleship, and there's a difference between knowledge and knowing the Bible, knowing theology, yeah. um, when transformation isn't happening. Totally. And so when our lives are not being shifted because of what we're learning, if the Spirit is not moving and we're starting to see this transformation, this fruit of what God is doing in our lives because of what we're studying, I think we then have to ask questions. And one of the things I was talking with someone not too long ago was we can measure the success of our discipleship based on multiplication. And so if we are, if our structures or our plan or even our investment is not leading to someone else helping multiply the gospel, which means going and telling other people about Jesus, then we're missing something, right? Totally. And so if you were to sit down with a parent, a youth minister, a college minister, Mm -hmm. and you were to say, here's what I'm seeing with college students, how would you encourage them to start to think through the way that they invest in their student before they come to college? 
I think the first thing, at least, you know, growing up in, in, in my family, my parents are believers, um, but just had no idea how to disciple us. Had no idea really probably how to, how to teach us to read the Bible, how to pray, and they really relied on the youth group to do it. And so we would go to youth group and, and we would hear the sermons and we would play the fun games and we would maybe spin, someone would get up and pray or tell a short you know sermon and that'd be, that'd be kind of it. And so in a lot of ways, there was no training for the parents. There was no real discipleship of the students. And so, I mean, I think if I could sit down with anyone and, and just say, youth need more than just information. They need life on life. And the ideas, I think you, the parents, I think in a lot of ways are, should be doing that. But I think because of, this is a, a generational problem. It's not just millennials or Gen Z. It's a church, like it's a church culture problem. My parents didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I, I can't really hold it against them because they didn't know. They had never been taught. Because I think so many churches are so structured on Sunday school. My parents just expected, you're going to learn about Jesus, you're going to learn about it at Sunday school. And then you're going to get up and sing some songs on Sunday in worship. And then we're going to go home. And, and we do church on Sunday. God and, 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 and religion is on Sunday. It's not built into our daily life. It's not built into what we're, what, how we live, how we communicate, how we walk. And, and I remember my youth minister teaching us about prayer and teaching us about reading our Bible and and trying to do those things. But it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of coming alongside and doing it with them, Um, being intentional, being patient, being slow. And, and, And so maybe that begins to answer the question. There was a previous college pastor that was here in Denton, and he had one of the larger ministries in town. And he was specifically trying to figure out how do we build a discipleship structure within our ministry. And so he was going throughout the church trying to recruit older adults to come and invest in college students, which was awesome. Yeah. And he s- literally said what you just said. We realized that we, the people who said, okay, I'll invest in these students, had no idea what it meant to disciple them. Yeah. And so this college pastor is like, I'm not only trying to disciple students, but I'm having to disciple the people who are going to disciple the students. Yeah. And trying to figure out what does that even look like. And I think you're right. Overall relied so heavily on someone else will do this or here's a structure or here you we were at the service but there's a disconnect between what I'm learning what who Jesus is and how it intersects with my life so how how have you seen it work within a student's life whenever you're able to kind of help them recognize that there's a disconnect here obviously you say you believe these things, but there's no fruit. Yeah. Um, have you seen it as you started to have those conversations where a student starts to recognize, wait a second, there is a problem here, and what's going on in my life? Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, even just today, um, I think so many of those students kind of going back who have grown up in church, like like a lot of the people who walk into the BSM or a lot of the people who might show up at a college ministry um, from a church. Uh, I think so many of them and so many of us, this was me growing up in the church, hearing it all the time. Maybe someone came to faith at a really young age. They hear the gospel and then it just becomes so common. There's no awe Mm. of God. There's no awe of the gospel. I 
think of many of them, it seems like they, they know, oh yeah, God is holy. I know, oh, I know I'm a sinner. But do they really understand what those mean? They've heard it all their life. They said, oh yeah, I believe that when they were seven or eight years old. But a seven and eight year old, I mean, can only understand it to a certain degree, right? You need to build and build and build on that. And I think for so many um, students, they, they're, yeah, they come to faith at a young age and that, that kind of stops. So they just keep going to church. They do the church thing. They, they, they maybe become legalistic. And what a lot of times I feel like happens, they come to college and they go the opposite. Oh, legalism is wrong. I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So it's not, no longer I need to pursue this list of do's and don'ts that this is what it means to be a Christian. And so instead, I now I'm embracing grace and I'm going to go do whatever I can because the gospel covers this too. Totally. Yeah. And so they've lost, they've still yet to understand the holiness of God, the just mm-hmm. nature of God. Um, their own sin, their own suffering. They've, they've still yet to really understand it. And so a lot of times what I do, a lot of it is me pleading. Like I think there are parts in scripture where Paul talks about, um, he almost sounds like he's pleading with the church that he's writing to. And so even just today, I was sitting with a guy and I'm reading scripture with him. We're reading, you know, you know um, reading the gospels, reading these sections of scripture that talk about the beauty of God, the beauty of what Christ has done for them on their behalf. And it's in a lot of ways, it's like I'm pleading with them. Just open your eyes to see this, right? You say you believe this, see it again, right? Um, and so I think in some ways you do see some students who are like, maybe I wasn't saved before. Maybe I've actually come to faith. Maybe I've really seen it. Um, I've seen some students are like, no, I, I do believe I was saved, um, maybe I just had a season, maybe I just didn't fully understand it. Uh, I've seen it all, 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 all over yeah. where students, you know, you're pleading with them, you're sharing them, you're reminding them of these simple truths. Like, right. We talked about the simplicity, the, the repetitive nature of it. Of even, you know, today I sat down with Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two, you know, where, you know, lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and run. The, with endurance, the race set before you, um, setting your eyes on Christ, who is the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And that's one of my go-to verses. Right? I, I, I plead with them like, do you see what Christ has done for you? For the joy, would you find joy in Christ now? And so again, yeah, I think it goes back to the really simplistic, let's go over the gospel. right? If you truly loved God, you would desire these things. You would desire holiness. But because you don't desire holiness, you look like the world. Yeah. Um, because you don't desire, you know, and even reading your Bible and praying, and I've, I've known some students who really struggle to do that. And even in my life, there have been seasons where that's the last thing I want. But, it, but it's remembering why are these things good for me? Mm-hmm. It's not legalism. It's not, I have to do this to be saved. It's not, it's because these things are good for me. Yeah, And so I think a lot of it is shifting, like we need to reshift the way we think about one God in, in ourselves, but really how we see spiritual formation. And that it applies to evangelism. If you truly love God and understand the gospel, you're going to want to tell people, right? If you truly understand God and, and, and understand who you are, you're going to want to pray. If you truly understand the gospel and understand who God is and what he has done for your life, you're going to want to worship him on Sunday with his people. You mentioned they don't see, there's no awe 
and God. Mm. And when you said that, I started to literally ask myself, what creates awe for the Lord in my life? And some of the things that you just listed do. There's nothing that stirs my affections for the gospel and what God did for me through Jesus Christ than when I get to tell somebody else about him. And that, that conversation does not come naturally to me. I'm more introverted. And to enter into something that could be conflict or hard is something that is I typically, my personality is just going to step out of that. But there's something that happens in those moments when I get to talk to someone else about the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that has really been beneficial to my life is getting to hear about how the Lord has moved and worked in other people's lives. And when they're honest and vulnerable and they really talk about like, I was broken and I am broken and here's what God has done and here's how my life has been changed. And I I want you to hear this from me because I don't want you to have to learn what I had to learn the hard way. Or I want you to see the God that has changed my life. And one thing that I've tried to really do in the last couple of years um, is to think through how can I model that? How can I point people to Jesus by how he's moved in my life in the way that I share that story, um, which I think is something that's missing a lot of times, specifically uh, within formal ministry structures. We're trying to get through this text, but a lot of times what our people really need from us is that honesty and that vulnerability and us sharing about this is what the Lord has done in my life, which then helps us point them to him as well. And so I think this is a really interesting thing just to think through in our own lives. Why is there not zeal? Why are we apathetic? Why is there not an urgency uh, for us to tell other people about Jesus? And I think those of us in leadership, if there's not those things, it's hard for us to produce uh, a ministry that focuses on those things. Yeah, if we as ministers are only focused on ourselves and we look to ourselves and not look to God, then of course that's what people are going to, that's that's what will be produced, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I I, uh, I think it's um, like the awe, the awe-ness, having awe of God uh, is something that is desired by a lot of people, especially Christians, especially these college students that come in that I sit with, right? They may not realize it, but that's what they desire. Yeah. They want to be in awe of God. You know, maybe like they were 10 years ago when they came to faith. Um, and, and so I think um, for so many of them, you know, that's what they need. That's what they want. That's what they want to be told. Uh, but they just don't know how to get there, right? And, and I liked, yeah, what you said. There's like needs to be an urgency and sharing and how I've really found it the same thing, right? When we... When we do the things that God has called us to do, that's where life is found. That's where joy is found. So so I'm the same way, right? Uh, introverted, I get tired pretty quickly. My, my head, you know, melts if I'm talking to someone <laughs> yeah. for too long. Uh, but in sharing the gospel, which is what I, you know, I've been created to proclaim how great God is. In doing that, that I find joy in life in that. Even in serving Right? There's joy in life found in serving others, in, in laying down ourselves, laying aside our preferences. Uh, but again, a lot of students you know, I meet with, um, they're so focused on their, themselves, so focused on 
who they are, what they're doing in their life. I mean, college is a time where it's, I'm trying to figure out all these things. Mm -hmm. What am I doing with my life? What is my degree? Who am I going to marry? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, where am I going to move to? What kind of job will I have? Um, all of these things. I had a friend who used to always say, college students are trying to figure out who's my mate, who's my master, and what's my mission. Totally. Which is what you just said. Yeah, they're trying to answer all of those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so they get so wrapped up in doing all these things. They're so focused, again, on who they are, and they look inward, maybe for the first time, I think, in a lot of ways. Growing up in high school, um, it, it's a lot about, you know, maybe impressing others, or you've, you've been told all of these things your whole life, so you just believe them. And so college really is. That's why, you know, I think college is where people discover who they are, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for the first time, they're looking inward. They're looking at their own life. And I think I found a lot of students maybe become obsessed with that. And I know I was. I know there were, there were seasons in my life where I was so obsessed with, okay, what am I doing with my life? Uh, where am I going? What degree should I get? What kind of job should I have? Uh, that you lose sight of, of the beauty of God. Yeah. You, you lose sight of the urgency to share the gospel. You lose sight of the need, uh, the need I have to pray or the need I have to read my Bible or the need I... Because I'm very inward focused. We could say the word selfish. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, I think when it comes to this awe of God, I think that's what I try to instill in students. Like, let's just go back to the basics, right? I mean, we could talk all day about why it's important to read your Bible, but if you don't actually, you know, love the God of the Bible, then we were missing the point, you know, or prayer or any of these things, even going to church. When I meet students who, who say they don't want to go to church, I probably don't start with why they should go to church. You yeah. start with God. Yeah. And I think it, it's being able to see past what is this that we're talking about to what's kind of the root. Yeah. I think you, um, a student not wanting to go to church is the fruit of something. Yeah. So what is the root that is leading to, I don't want to do these things. Um, I don't want to just read my Bible. I don't want to have to go tell someone else about who God is. I don't want to go to church. Whatever that may be, that literally is the fruit. And so what we kind of get to do is to walk with them to try to figure out what's the root. And through prayer, praying that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal that to them. Because there's only so many times that you and I can sit across from the table and tell someone there's something missing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where we get to trust the Spirit is moving. But at the same time, go back to what you said, not only earlier today, but when we talked uh, and the last time we were, we recorded this, yeah. you said it's all about repetition. And I think that's something we all need. That's the importance of community, having people in our lives that are pointing us yeah. uh, and reminding us about who God is, the goodness of the gospel. And and I think putting in those spiritual practices, even things such as what are the things that are going to stir my affections for the Lord? So one of the, one yeah. thing I try to do that helps renew my awe is to go and be in the mountains. Mm -hmm. There's something that happens when you put me in the mountains uh, that reminds me of how big God is, that he created this. He created me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know why, but if I can put myself in the mountains about once a year, that is good for me, and it's good for my relationship with the Lord. And so even if we can help students start to recognize the hope we have in the gospel, what he has done, 
And what are those things that are going to remind me and stir my affections for him so that my awe can be renewed? Um, I think those are just helpful practices for us to build in. Any last thoughts on how we as older Christians can help these college students that we're walking with um, start to get a more accurate picture of how the gospel impacts their lives? Yeah, I think we we as a we as a uh, as maybe American Christians and maybe just people we like to compartmentalize. So like Jesus and church is here, and my relationships are here, and my school is over here, and my future is also separate from all of us. It's down here. Uh, I think so many students uh, maybe don't see how God fits into all of those places. Um, and so for us as, as, as maybe older Christians trying to disciple them and point these students to Christ, I think it's good to, to be patient, good to repeat ourselves a lot. Like you said, pray. I can't change their hearts. I can't force them to desire God. So I think lots of prayer, lots of repetition, uh, and, and helping them talk through even life. I think a lot of college students want to talk about life, want to talk about what's going on, want to talk about God and their relationships, and they don't really know who to talk to about all those things, or they don't see how they all fit together. Again, going back to all the compartments, Mm -hmm. they don't see how God impacts their relationships with their girlfriend or boyfriend, or how God impacts their relationship with their parents, and how that dynamic has changed, or their relationships with their new roommates who they don't always get along with. Right, um, so I, I think that's a big thing for us is to be patient, like patiently come alongside, helping them not look at themselves but look to God. I agree, and it's different for every person. There's not like this magic formula that we can use, but it's us being available and obedient to step in, uh, to point them to Jesus, to try to help them understand that knowing about God is beneficial. But that does not mean that we love him. Yeah. And awe and zeal and urgency only comes as a product of love. And when we can start to point out those things and we are praying for the spirit literally to light those conversations on fire. Yeah. um, And trusting that he will because we've seen him do it. Mm. But being patient to understand because our natural tendencies, I've talked to you about this four times and I'm frustrated. Yep. Why are you not getting it? And then literally I'll go home and be like, well, Stephanie, you don't get it either. <laughs> and I think that just being patient and just willing to just say, OK, we're going to keep having the same conversation um, is one of the most loving things that we can do. And I think maybe the last thing is, you know, account- keeping them accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you know, we, we have a, we talk with a student and we say, okay, we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to read scripture this week, the next week, hold them accountable. And I think that's something that also, even just having that accountability and that discipline in their life, uh, helps as well. Yeah. And in those situations, it helps me too. Totally. Me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, we have a schedule, we're doing this together and I can't expect from you what I'm not willing to do myself. Yeah. And I think that's always uh, a beneficial side of 
us pursuing the Lord together with students. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you again for your time. Yeah, and of course. Uh, for even just saying, hey, I think we should talk about this. Yeah. Uh, because I think you're right. This is a beneficial conversation that I think we all need to have. Not only as a reflection of our own lives, uh, is there zeal and awe for the Lord and an urgency for other people to know Him? Yeah. Uh, but also being able to diagnose what's going on in the ministry around us. Is there a trend of this happening? And if so, I think we have to then, as leaders, think through, how do we respond to that? Why is this happening? And that only happens. We can only respond when we're in the trenches figuring it out and asking questions. And that happens by living life and patiently walking alongside students. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your idea. And I think this will be a conversation that uh, I'm going to continue to think through because it is a daily occurrence with college students that we see every day. Yep. So thank you. Yeah, no if you would like to continue this conversation, you can contact me at stephaniemgates.com. The music was created by my talented friend, Vince Romanelli. Thank you for listening.